Hey, what's good, everybody? It's Cedric Warren, your host of Said Talk. Get it? Like TED Talk, but it's me. A couple things. First, I hope everyone is adhering to the guidelines and recommendations put forth by their local government and other agencies. Uh, please listen to your local public health leaders. I promise they know what they're talking about. Um, I know what I'm talking about. So if you want to you know, ask me questions, that's cool. Uh, I think I'm going to post a pic of the Epi Triangle. I think I did it the other day. I'll post it again. And it really just talks about how disease is spread. So that kind of helps y'all understand what's going on. Um, and I may also have to get back to my public health feature. So I'm definitely going to maybe talk to a few of my colleagues too, so we can keep spreading that word. Uh, but anyways, please listen to them. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Uh, take care of yourself. Stay inside if you need to. Social distancing, all that good stuff. Anyways, <clears throat> As we continue our celebration of Women's History Month, I'd like to welcome back one of our guests that has been on before, uh, Miss Ananda Bates. And what up? <laughs> and uh, she actually has the second highest uh, in terms of listens. She has the second highest episode. Uh, my aunt episode though the women of leadership is is close behind at like 53 i love it so um 53 55 you're at about 58 okay so that's strictly from soundcloud i'm working to figure out other numbers from like spotify apple and stuff like that so once i figure out how to get those numbers we'll do that too uh but again so welcome back thank you for being here thank you for having me on again for sure so for those who do not know you please uh state your business <laughs> and what you're doing here <laughs> um again my name is ananda bates um currently right now i am the executive director of an organization called nr which is the indiana affiliation of recovery Recovery residences, um, when we think about recovery residences, this isn't a new concept. It's what people um, are used to probably hearing, like halfway houses, sober living environments, we call them recovery residences. And so what we do is that we certify those um, recovery residences all across the state so that you know that we're that they are providing stable, safe, and quality housing. Um, before then, I have 12 years of experience um, as a therapist. I'm a licensed clinical addictions counselor in the state of Indiana. Um, I am trained and licensed to treat addictions, depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder, grief, stress, adjustment, um, a lot of those things that many people experience. Um, and so I'm just glad to just be here and to talk about women's, women's health, wellness, and all of that good stuff. So thanks again for having me. You're welcome. So where did you attend school? So I received a dual bachelor's degree in psychology and law and society with a minor in children development and family studies from the Purdue University in West Lafayette, Indiana in 2005. And then I graduated with my master's degree in community psychology from Martin University in 2008. Sound like an overachiever. I am. <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, well, good, good. So last time you were here, uh, we got into some of the basics of what mental health is. Uh, we discussed some statistics, stigma, signs and symptoms, uh, talked about healing and a lot of other things, resources. So that was really good. Uh, if you have not heard the past episode, that's episode 11. It's called Black Mental Health. Uh, so be sure to check that out. We're available on all uh, major platforms. So that's Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and iHeartRadio. The link is in our said talk Instagram page bio, which is at said underscore talk. It's also in my personal one at irepta5. That's the same for Instagram and Twitter. So you can find both of those there. Um, so just a little background, as I like to do before we get into questions, everything else. Uh, did some research and the Department of Health and Human Services Office of Women's Health says that more than one in five women in the United States experience a mental health condition in the past year. Um, with depression and anxiety being the top two. And then conditions like bipolar disorder affect more women than men, and they affect women in different ways than men. Uh, so that's just a little bit of background on that. If you want more, uh, check out the Office of Women's Health.gov, and you can definitely see more on that. So got some questions for you. Okay. Are you ready? I'll see if I can answer them. <laughs> I hope so, with your dual degrees and extra minors, I think. Don't be angry. <laughs> I think you'll be good. I think you'll be good. Okay, so first question um, from your experience. Uh, so, what are some of the common diagnoses that we see in women? Um, I think it's a lot of the things that um, first I mentioned um, the treatments that I provide and the for the diagnoses um, and then too I think a lot of the things that you have mentioned in terms of diagnoses and mental health disorders so those would be things like depression anxiety um, PTSD which is post-traumatic stress disorder bipolar disorder um, and then I think just adjustment with life grief stress um, different things like that so those are a lot of the common um diagnoses that you will see and a lot of the common diagnoses that I treat um, when I was providing direct care. But I would probably say at the top of those, the top two is probably depression and anxiety. Gotcha. For sure. Gotcha. Um, and I meant to look this up too. I wanted to see what the differences were for just women but and then specifically black women. Um, I'd like to focus on black women and just women of color because we know there are major disparities uh, in health among uh, women of color, black women specifically. Uh, so I think it's important that, you know, again, as women, yes, that's great. We need to definitely do more to uh, protect them. But black women, especially, there is almost a war against black women in our country. And we need to make sure that we are uh, bringing to the forefront that information and stuff like that. So um, some of the things that I saw, and, and you kind of talked to those, uh, and this is going into our second question. Okay. Are you ready for that? Sure. I think I did the first one. All right. Dual degree. Uh, <laughs> My new nickname. Dual, dual degree is your new nickname. Yes. All right. So talk about like the stressors and social pressures within our society that affect women's mental health. And then uh, two part of that. Um, talk about that. And then as a black woman, speak on that. Okay. And then maybe some of the long lasting effects that kind of come from that, if you can. If you need me to repeat, I'll do that. Dual degree doesn't need you to repeat. Oh. oh. <laughs> 
Um, so I think that when we start to make the differentiation, black women experience depression and anxiety and all of the other things and the other symptoms that go along with that, um, as white women do. But again, as I talked about in the previous podcast, we know that women don't seek treatment as often um, as our counterparts for various reasons. Um, but when we, we also have to think about that we experience different stressors um, that may exacerbate those symptoms. And then as black women, I mean, you just think about, I think about my grandmother. She's a very strong person. Mm-hmm. The idea of going to therapy, like that's not going to happen. Like we're taught to be resilient we're taught to be strong and you just kind of carry the weight of your world on your shoulder and you just keep going um, but I think that as black women we have a different set of barriers um, we have a different set of stressors than white women and I think that that's women of color in general so when we think about that not only does it affect our mental health, but it affects our overall health, which can kind of be like this kind of back and forth and you don't know which came first, the chicken or the egg. Because those social things can affect the mental health, mental health can affect um, health. And so when we think about these health disparities with African-American women, like that includes low birth outcomes, lupus, obesity, untreated depression, um, that these things can be explained and can be contributed to stress and coping right. the stress that we deal with and then the coping and I think just being a black woman in America period um, I always say that I have two strikes against me when I automatically walk in the door That's true. not only because I'm a woman but because I'm a black woman that's true so when I walk in the door, I feel like I'm carrying the weight of the African-American community on my shoulders when I walk through the door. Yeah, and it shouldn't be that way. Uh, <laughs> but we know it is. We know that it is. Uh, we feel like, and then people, other black people can probably uh, definitely relate to this, is that if you, especially like us, we attended um predominantly white institutions you've been in situations where you're the only black person in the class absolutely a situation of like race or comes up and then of course when we talk about race in america the first thing is like black and white of course but you know obviously there's a multitude of races and uh experiences uh, that make up america but usually it's black and white uh, because that's the long-standing history within our country uh and then everybody looks to you like you represent the full black delegation i'm like nah fam like my representative right my experience is much different. Our experiences are different. We come from two different places, two different backgrounds. Um, but yet and still, we, we often look to kind of carry some of that. And not only that, I think that it goes into kind of like this perceived like discrimination, racism, these microaggressions that we experience like in the workplace. Um, I think that it takes effect there. And it's just like, oh, I think that people assume that we've all lived the same life. Like every black person has grew up in poverty and they didn't have their mom or dad or, you know, just different things like that. And that's not always the case. And so I think those microaggressions kind of um, show themselves and it can lead to some pretty unhealthy behaviors. Um, So like cigarette smoking, when we think about alcohol, substance use, improper nutrition, refusal to seek medical services because of this perceived discrimination um, that we may experience. And so it can contribute to mental health disorders amongst these racial ethnic groups for sure yeah 
Yeah. So some of the other things that I, I looked up when I was doing research before we got started uh, this week was um, just talking about, and this comes from uh, the association. Uh, I don't want to say it wrong. Let me see. <laughs> I don't want to say it wrong. Uh, see, that's when you need that dual degree. <laughs> whatever. Uh, anxiety, anxiety, anxiety and depression association of America. Um, they have a good article. Article um, that is written, and it just talks about some of the other stressors, like you mentioned. Talks about the image of black women, hmm. and how the strong black woman, the angry black woman, and the kind of video vixen. Right. They use the term Jezebel. Oh, Jezebel! Who says you like Jezebel? Yeah, Jezebel, huh? right? Um, uh, and that's so crazy because when I just think about things that I have experienced, like I'll never forget, like at my first job as a therapist, I was working. Um, at a methadone clinic and it was um, this white chick that I worked with I had already kind of had some vibes that she just probably didn't particularly care for black people um, and then one day we were in the break room and I don't know I can't remember the conversation because it was a long it was a long time ago but I vividly remember her saying to me that I wasn't a stereotypical black woman and so I looked at her and I'm like oh she don't really know me that well like I'm about to lay hands on her like that's it so I was like well, let, I want to be more I want to be I'm inquisitive I really want to know what she's talking about and she was like well the way that you carry yourself the way that you talk and that you're always on time for meetings and I looked at her and I was like did she really like have the audacity to really say that to me she and did. so she really did and yeah. I was like man she must not really know that I'm like really crazy like I will like spaz out and so I looked at her and I really took that time um, to use that as an educational moment and let her know like we're not all the same and she and it was it was very disheartening and it really pissed me off when I got back to my office and then that's when I really realized in the workplace that when I show up that this is probably how a lot of white people look at me and that can be stressful and anxiety producing within itself. Whenever I get ready to go to a meeting, anything like that, the first thing I'm thinking is, am I gonna be the only black person in the room? Am I gonna be the only black woman in the room? And then I always have to be extra careful and mindful of the way that I walk, the way that I talk, my facial expressions, not using my hands too much um, because I don't want people to kind of put me in this box. Yeah. Gets this wrong uh, impression. The angry black woman. Yes. Um, this this article says that the angry black women will cuss you out before hearing you out. And in that situation that you just mentioned, you could have like cussed her out before like she got a chance to kind of say what she meant, even though it was still off. Um, <laughs> was. You know what I'm saying? So uh, yeah. So you mentioned a lot of good things, and I, and I think. Not just women, of course, but we definitely focus on women uh, on this episode in particular that that those stressors are there. And I think so many non essentially so many white people miss that. Right. Because it's 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 very rare that they walk into a room and they aren't the majority. Right. Or they aren't. Um, 
they don't where they don't see somebody who looks like them. Absolutely, and yeah. they're they're used to everything being theirs. It's theirs, like this is their white space, right. and we're coming into that. And I don't think that they think about. They think like, oh, everything's fine because slavery is over. Like, no, that's the furthest thing from the truth. And so I don't think that they don't see that, or they're just like, oh, I don't see color. And when it comes to like these microaggressions that we experience, and I'm just saying in the workplace because that's the example that we were talking about. I'm like, no, I need you to see color and I need you to see how this plays out and why this is unacceptable, why this is not okay. Right, right. I need you to see that. And I need you to see that the differences are okay. Yeah. Right. There's differences and there's... Um, it's important to accept those differences. Yeah, and, and this okay. is not an all lives matter moment. Like they, they are quick to all lives matter something. Every and I'm time. like, no, this is not an all lives matter moment because we're not created equal. We're not. We're not. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. <laughs> uh, so if you are not of the melanated nation and you are listening, please don't all lives matter situation. What does that mean? That means when we as African-Americans, whether it be a black male, black woman, whoever, um, however people choose to identify um, as their uh, gender identity or whatever, if we start to talk about the plight, the uh, oppression, the disparities, whatever it may be against black people, against African-American people, please do not interject with, well, what about you know these people? Or what about uh, we should all consider that uh you know everybody should be all alike and everybody should be this and that and i'm like no because this country has uh continuously and continuously proves that you know they don't really they haven't cared about black people and they right. still don't in, in, in a lot of different ways because there's still very large disparities in, in so many areas. Um, so that's all lives mattering it. Um, just don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> take take what we have to say and understand that it's coming from a genuine place, that it's not just being made up. Um, these things are real. And, and honestly, right now, I think with this coronavirus thing, I think this is an opportunity for people to see how inequitable our country is, especially among vulnerable populations, whether it be racial and ethnic minorities, um, socioeconomic status, whatever. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of inequity going on and it needs to be fixed. Yeah. So uh, not to harp on to that. Uh, so we want to keep moving. So thank you for that. Um, that uh, piece there. Um, but some of the other things that I, I looked up to when we talk about social pressures, I wanted to be clear on that too. So uh, women have, um, they have to experience a lot more than men, right? So we talk about the abuse, right? right. So whether that be verbal, sexual assault, uh, domestic violence. Uh, we talk about body image issues, Right. right. So there's this look that women should have to be maybe successful as we're, as we're speaking to women in the workplace. Mm -hmm. um, you know, women should look a certain way. They should dress a certain way, uh, body image. And then just being in the workplace, right, being considered for positions, for ideas. Um, my aunt made a good point that it has to be intentional that yeah. these uh, places take 
uh, women and put them in positions to be successful, right? And they just don't do that. And when we look at the numbers um, of women that are women of color that are in leadership positions, um, and then as we continue to move up the ladder in executive leadership positions, I mean, the statistics are completely astounding. Like, we're just not really representative. And I agree that companies have to be more intentional. And they just say, like, oh, well, we have, you know, Shauna, or we have, you know, um, Rhonda working here, you know, isn't that enough? And so, and it's so funny because it's even white women that you would think that will kind of like be more supportive and be an advocate being a woman. Um, but you see those disparities between black women and white women in the workplace as well. Um, so I think definitely, I mean, every day that I'm at work, I have to think about those things, my hair. And I mean, every time um, I always, I've been recently using the example um, that my CEO is now, he pays attention to my hair every time that my hair is different. And so he initially said to me, um, and, I, and it wasn't, he didn't mean any harm, but I really took it as a moment to educate him. He was like, well, if you change your hair so much, then people won't be able to recognize you. And I said, well, that's their problem, not mine. My voice is still the same. My name is still the same. My face is still the same. My hair is just different. It may be a different texture. It may be long, it may be short, um, but I'm still me and I'm not going to change that um, to make other people happy. Um, and then it also makes me think about, I posted on Facebook, um, I'm reading this book called The Memo um, by Minda Hearts. And I think that it is tugging on my heartstrings and it is just really putting me in a space. And it was talking about even our names. Um, and so when you hear the name Ananda, when you see my name, you automatically assume that I'm African-American. And so just that, and I've had people intentionally not try to learn my name, mispronounce my name, and I'll correct them and they'll still say it wrong. Or they'll even say to me, well, do you have a nickname? And I say, well, I do, but that's reserved for my friends and my family. I'm at work. My name is Ananda, so I need you to call me that. Um, and I think that as Black women, we have compromised so much from our hair to the way that we dress to something as simple as them calling us our name. If you want them to call you your God-given name that your mother or dad or grandma named you, then you are well within your right to make them do that. But we've all done that. Um, and I can't say if it's a right or wrong thing because I've even considered not using Ananda and maybe using my middle name, Faye, um, just to make me more marketable um, to get a job. So that race doesn't have to be a factor, at least initially. And if I get in the door, then I can demonstrate my talents and skills and you know, my race and my gender won't be a factor. Right, right. So th that is what we were talking about, right? So those initial things that they, women have to think about, black women specifically, when they go to apply for a job and the first thing they ask on the application, what's your name, right? Yeah. And you're thinking, and I promise you, all of us have made the joke, right, about names. Like if you see a certain name, it's going to the bottom of the stack. Yeah. But that's probably, an, that's likely an actual practice, right? Where, of course. Whereas Ashley is going to get put forward towards the top, you know what I'm saying, or skipped over, you know, won't yeah. get skipped over versus Ananda. There you go. <laughs> versus Ananda, you know. And that's so true. And I mean, I even think about, I even thought about that. Um, and it's not something that we should have to think about now. But I've even thought about that when I named my daughter. You know what I mean? Um, just thinking about that and what her name will look like 
on a resume or if they just see her email signature, you know, that race wouldn't be a factor in right. considering if she's black or white or green or purple or anything like that. But it, unfortunately, those are the stresses and the things that we have to think about day to day. And that increases our stress, our anxiety um, that can cause us to go into depression. And then that impacts our health. Right. Right. For sure. Uh, and a lot of those things that you mentioned, like low birth weight and things like that. Lupus, obesity, um, because I'm an emotional eater. So I like to eat when I'm stressed, when I'm happy, when I'm sad. Um, obesity, untreated depression. Um, those things can be explained when you're looking at the research that they can be contributed to stress and our inability to cope effectively. For sure. For sure. That's good. Um so two weeks ago, uh, my aunt um, was on and we had discussed a great topic of women in leadership. Um, so discuss that dynamic, right? Um, talk about how many maybe black women you've seen kind of in executive leadership, leadership roles, um, how that's been in your experience now that you're in executive leadership uh, as well, uh, and talk about the mindset that's needed for those positions as well, and maybe circle back to again, that again, that mental health, that that kind of way to manage all that. Oh man, so I've been in Every place I've worked um, has been a nonprofit in social services, mental health. So there's typically more women um, than men, even if that's therapists, caseworkers, um, you know, clinical supervisors, ex associate directors, and things um, of that nature. Um, and so it's always been an interesting dynamic. But I remember, I, and it's something that, again, that we always do whenever I start a new job, I'm looking for the people that look like me um and when I was offered I'll never forget like when I was offered a team leader position and I'm like now I'm in middle management and I go to these meetings and I'm seeing like because it was a big organization and I'm seeing all these other leaders and I'm like there's like three of us out of like 70 80 clinical supervisors and directors there's three african-american women and one hispanic male and I'm like what do we need to do and I started to have those thoughts then like what do we need to do to get more of us in the rooms? What do we need to do to get more of us at the tables? And I think that that has continued to be um, something visible that I've seen. And now being in executive leadership, I will say that it is not for the faint of heart, um, for sure. And now being the only black woman in executive leadership where I am right now, um, it is very isolating. Um, it can be very stressful. And I think that's what self, where self-care comes in. And so I think that a couple of things um, that have been important for me that I have learned through this journey about um, the mindset that I need to have being in executive leadership is that I have to put myself out there. So I say that because I have been the type of person, if there's any work outings <laughs> after work, I do my job, I do my job well, and I go home. Deuces. I do not want to kiki with you after work. I'm not going to have drinks and things like that. But then I realized that in order, I mean, it's a, it's politics. It's office politics, um, things of that nature that I have to put myself out there in leadership. Yes, I can do a, do, do a good job, do a good job well, and then go home. But when it comes to advancing in my career and being considered for other things, I need to have 
have those personal relationships with the key players at the table if I'm not at the table already. Right. Um, so I think that's something that's important. Um, I'm just a firm believer in not waiting to be rescued. Um, I'm a very resilient person, so I don't wait for something to come to me. I go out and get it because I know that nobody's going to come and save this little black girl. Nobody's coming to save us, y'all. So you have to make it happen yourself. So and I say there's no easy button to this. There was no easy button for me to get where I am now to stay in my position. It's not easy. You have to work hard period there's no easy fix there's nothing quick about it like you have to work hard and so I keep that mentality um as well and the big thing that I've been kind of replaying in my head is to do it scared that being in leadership you have to take risks whether you're working for someone else you're an entrepreneur um if you're a leader in a civic organization a religious organization whatever it is fear will stop us from doing a lot of things so you have to take risks nobody that's successful just they they had to take risks and they did it scared um and i think that if you interviewed or talked to anybody they will tell you that and not to let fear stop you because it could be something amazing on the other side um other mindset things is network 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 that is something again that I struggle with because I just want to do my job I just want to go to this meeting and go home but I am forcing myself to step outside of my comfort zone and meet people talk to people get my name out there so that people know who Anon Debates is and so networking is very important and being mindful of not burning any bridges because you never know um, when that person may come back up and you may need them again um I think the other kind of key things that have been important to me is believing in myself um, because there have been times where I'm like, maybe I don't deserve to be here. Maybe I shouldn't be here. Um, maybe it should be somebody else, but I stopped that um, negative self-talk and I'm saying like, no, I deserve to be here just as much as anybody else. Um, Do you think that comes from the lack of representation? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I would rather be in a space where I'm comfortable and people look like me. I know that we may have had some similar experiences and I feel safe as opposed to going in a space and a place where I'm unsure. I feel unsafe. I don't know if my opinions and my contributions will be valued or heard. That can be very emotionally draining and stressful to continue to put yourself in that space every day. For sure. So that's why self-care is so important. Um, that's the other big thing, like taking care of yourself. And taking care of yourself is more than just going to get your nails done, more than just going to get a pedicure. Like sometimes we need to just shut off from the world. And there's other things that you do that include your mindset and what you tell yourself. Um, so I think that that's really, really important and manifesting the things that you want. So if you say that this is what you want, then you have to believe those things and manifest that and walk in that, um, I believe, before you even get it. For sure. For sure. I want to go back to another thing that you mentioned. Uh, you talked about isolation. Yes. Um, so how do you, how have you dealt with isolation and how can women deal with isolation when that experience kind of comes up? Um, so I realized that for me, I was the one isolating myself. So if I go, when I, any job I've ever had, I've always been a social butterfly. 
I will talk to people, stop by their desk, they'll stop by my desk and talk to me. But that is within the hours of nine to five. And then there's just, so I'm a social butterfly, but I realized that I like isolated myself because I felt uncomfortable. And so sometimes we have to step outside of our comfort zone. Yes. And I think that that's the biggest thing. And so I had to acknowledge that, Ananda, you're the one who's isolating. And they've invited you to the birthday parties, to their house, to Christmas parties, to, you know, happy hours and things like that. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't fool with y'all like that. I'm going home and I'll go hang out with the people that I know that I feel comfortable with. Um, but now, especially being in executive leadership, I have to step outside my comfort zone and say, okay, I may not go every time, but let me go this time and just hang out and get to know people on a more personal level because I think that a lot of people, um, and I can't say that this is the case, but I'm sure that there's other black people that have done the same thing. And so we may come off as being standoffish, mm-hmm. you know, and that we just don't fool with white people or it could be whoever. Um, and I don't think that that's always the case. And some people are just like, I really don't care. Then guess what? That's probably not for you. But I think that sometimes stepping outside of your comfort zone and getting to know people and things like that can open you up to new experiences and allows opportunity to have those difficult conversations because now I have a relationship with you. It does. And I think it's important to creating that safe space so that one, you don't feel isolated. Right. And then two, that you're able to have that confidence in yourself yep. and then also have those difficult conversations and just create a safer space that not only for you, right, but for the next person that comes in. So I want to get to that too. And I talked about this two weeks ago and, and last week. Um, and I've mentioned it on other podcasts too, is that like we as black people, as we start to trailblaze and, and get into these areas, I think it's important that we have to be, I don't want to say represent our culture or be representative for everybody, but I think we need to take the steps to open the door and hold it open. Absolutely. And just because you hold it open for somebody else doesn't mean that like you're going to be diminished too. Um, In fact, uh, there's a book I'm reading called Give and Take by Adam Grant. Uh, It really dispels that that myth that the more you give, Mm -hmm. uh, the better off you actually are, not just intrinsically, but actually for your career. So uh, if y'all want to read that book, like I said, it's called Give and Take by Adam Grant. It's really good. Um, I agree. And I feel like there's a lot of black people that have this mindset that and I've had conversations with people and I've seen it with my own two eyes where they're just like, well, I worked hard for this. You need to get your own. Like I worked hard for it. This is for me. So you have to get your own and I just don't think that that's um it's not healthy and that's not a way for all of us you know what I mean to come up like there's enough seats at the table for everybody you know um to get some and so like I agree that in order for us to kind of open that door or whatever we have to do what we have to do so that the next person that comes in they have it a little bit easier and that they do the you know they do the same thing for sure for sure um I think it's important to recognize that you need to create the lane so that women can have that seat at the table, uh, especially women of color, Yeah. and then create that safe space where they can express themselves, uh, ideas are exchanged, thought is exchanged, uh, experiences are exchanged and understood mm-hmm. and, and respected. That's the big thing too, right? So they need to be respected. And then 
again, you, you're working to hold that door open for somebody else as well. So that's important. And then just, you know, uh, again, that just creates uh, better, better organizations, better systems, better processes. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's just my thought on that. So. Yeah. And I and I really want people to understand that this that, that, to me, that doesn't mean like, oh, we're selling out. And I think that's another thing that we struggle with, um, especially as we get in the workplace. Again, we just want to do our job at home. And if I keep key and do too much, then now I'm selling out because I want to do this. At the end of the day, they, whoever you want to make they, they're going to do what they need to do to get ahead. So why can't we be strategic and do the same thing? For sure. For sure. Yeah. And I think, too, uh, as someone who has had friends of all kinds of backgrounds and um, I think it's that's just important, like you said, to not isolate yourself, you know what right. I'm saying? Because that's something that you can do is say, no, I'm just going in, I'm just do my work and I'm going home and, and that's it. Um, and um, you you kind of don't benefit from other experiences. And Absolutely. I think it's really just learning to navigate. And again, going back to the mental health, it can be stressful, right? Because you're trying to figure out, will this person respect me? Will this person respect the experiences that I have as a woman of color, as a black woman? Uh, will this person, this group of people accept me or whatever? And I'm right. not saying that just black people feel that way, but we have that extra layer of, right. you know, stress or thought. Or and that, yeah. And it doesn't mean that you just got to go kick down the door and be like oh you're going to get to know me and we're going to be best friends that is something that takes time and you're still going to have people in general that regardless of what you do say they're not going to respect you and then at that point you have to make a decision and move accordingly like sometimes we just have to move around that does not mean that you just kind of just deal with that you have to discern and say okay this is an opportunity for me to educate people they can learn more about me I can learn about them and we can all grow and move together and then there's certain situations like people are going to have their values and beliefs and there's some people you're not going to be able to get through to and you have to make the decision it's time for me to move around for sure for sure no that's good that's good all right um thank you for sharing all of that that's good so we're going to keep going okay we got more questions couple more if you don't mind uh we're sitting at like almost 40 minutes so we're doing good oh okay yeah i went by fast it's easy when you talk about things you love i know uh so this is good so um women do a lot of things they have a lot of titles they have a lot of uh traits and they have a lot of you know uh jobs to do they're they're the breadwinner they're mothers they're sisters they're they're caretakers they're everything so i we've had past discussions you've talked about and called this the superwoman complex uh we can have and will have a whole separate kind of mini episode (laughs) on this that'll drop on the instagram page so be sure to look at it we'll get it maybe like 15 20 minutes on that bonus episode for you guys there you go um, so just kind of briefly get into what you call the superwoman complex and how that really takes a toll on uh, women's mental health. Oh, man. Um, you're right in that I could literally probably sit here all day um, and do this and talk about superwoman complex. Um <laughs> 
it's been coined different things, superwoman um, syndrome, superwoman schema, different names. Um, but superwoman complex is something that um, I know that I have personally and I continue to experience and have to navigate and learn how to balance and cope um, and just say, you know what, today I need to take my superwoman cape off. And so basically, for those who don't know kind of what this superwoman complex is, these are women predominantly, and I can't, I'll just say women, but when we think about the black superwoman complex, because that's what we're talking about, um, these women are constantly striving to accomplish everything possible in a perfect manner. And we have not learned, you hear I said we, we have not learned how to put ourselves as a top priority. So we are giving, giving, giving to everybody wearing this superwoman cape, being wife, mom, daughter, sister, caregiver, employee, employer, um, giving at church, organizations, and we're giving to everybody else and we have not learned how to make ourselves a priority. And this has caused a lot of stress and has contributed to our inability to effectively cope. I know that growing up, nobody taught me how to cope with stress and things like that. I had to learn by watching other people and things like that. I've seen my grandmother. She's like the epitome of the black superwoman complex. Um, but I feel like these things and trying to accomplish everything, be kind of the first woman in our family to do this, the first woman to do this, to take care of everybody. And we haven't learned how to make ourselves a priority and take care of ourselves. Yeah, there's this pressure. Yeah, and like it's, it's these impossible goals we're never going to yeah. be able to meet. It's it's all on me. Uh, and I think, uh, again, due to societal pressures, uh, family, right? Yes, uh, absolutely. Family does that. Imagine being first-generation college student and somebody says, you know, your mom didn't go, your dad didn't go, grandma didn't go. You, you're, you know, they, it, they, they probably mean it in a very lighthearted or loving way sometimes it's like hey you're you know you're gonna be the first one you know what I'm saying right that's pressure in itself that can be pressure and then you get to college and then if you start to struggle or have some things you know you start to think about well I don't want to let my parents down especially if they're helping you helping that person like financially right pay for school uh pay for a car or whatever you're thinking if i'm struggling then i'm not really honoring their sacrifice absolutely or on the other end of that if you are this person like okay you've gone to school and now you've kind of moved up in your career and now you have this six-figure job then now your family is like now you are supposed to take care of us so it's not a we would like you to we would hope you would it's kind of a mandate you're required to take care of the, the family mm-hmm. and I'm like I didn't read that in my contract no, I don't think that's in there yeah. um, but the, that can be it's stressful the, it's the let me hold something clause <laughs> but that's that guilt and they, yeah, they the that, guilt trip you that's that let me hold something clause <laughs> right you, I changed your diaper, took you to ballet, took you to around to the corner store, to <laughs> fed you, watched I you, whatever. I worked five jobs. Exactly. So <laughs> it's like, let me hold something. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, yeah that, is, that is a real thing. Um, but then when we think about why women 
become superwoman. We talked about those things, but then not just these tangible things, so going to school and being the breadwinner and fulfilling these roles, but women kind of step into this role of being a superwoman to be like the good little girl. And these things start at a young age to be the good little girl. I mean, I think about when my um, my aunt that raised me, I mean, she had cancer for two years before she passed away. So at the age of 12, 13, I'm taking care of my younger brother because she was sick. And at that time, I didn't know that she had cancer. And now kind of thinking about it, I'm like, okay, she was displaying all of the symptoms of cancer, but she never told us. And so I was taking care of her and giving her her insulin every morning before I went to school. I was giving her oatmeal, you know, um, making that for her several times a day. I made sure that my brother did his homework, that he took a bath, I fed him, that we got to school in the morning. So I had to assume kind of this superwoman um, mentality mentality at a very young age when I should have still been outside playing and going to basketball games and things like that I'm more worried about how my brother's gonna you know make sure making sure that he gets a bath and that he does his homework um so women assume these roles to be like the good little girl they may do it to please everybody because they want to be a people pleaser and that's I think a big thing for women that struggle with this black superwoman complex is that we struggle with the inability to say no yeah. Some women may do it for attention, um, to have this feeling of accomplishment, like I'm able to do it all, um, and ha- like, and, and it could be low self esteem. So if I do all these things for other people, it makes me feel valued and I have worth. So if we take that away from you, then you have nothing. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's good. I um, and I don't want this conversation to be like. Are they discouraging women or black women to go after goals? Nope. Nope. Not saying that. Uh, The big thing is learn to say no. Right. Yeah. And that piece of self-care and understanding your limits at whatever point in time that may be, your limits will will, uh, vary at different points in time in your life, uh, depending on what you have going on. So you're you're 23, you're fresh out of college, you know what I'm saying? Your limits are a little bit less versus Absolutely. 33 yeah. married or, you know, have a child or, or whatever, you know, other things that, that happen. So I'm not saying that, don't want to put that out there because women can do it. Right? Absolutely. I, I think we have to consider the the uh, additional side effects that come with tanking that on yeah. the emotional impact right health and how yeah it, it trickled down it's it, it's related to everything else that you have going on too so because um, again you women can definitely do it they can they can be mothers caretakers and everything else um, but don't let don't pour out so much to where nobody's pouring into you and I always say that if you don't take care of yourself first, then you're no good to anybody else. And again, I agree that it's not saying like, oh, you shouldn't do it and don't help anybody. Again, I think that we are amazing women and that we can be super, super women, but we have to have balance. That's all I'm saying is that we have to have balance and know when to stop and say, okay, the cape has to come off today. Yes. All things in moderation. Keep it simple. (laughs) Keep it simple, stupid. As my mother used to tell me. Uh, Another superwoman I'd like to say hello to is my mom. 
So yes, all right. So thank you for sharing that. And um, my last thing, I meant to ask this question last week too. So um, to my last guest, Shakia, if you are listening to this uh, podcast, please just kind of tweet me, message me. My question is, who is your shero? So we have heroes, but for specifically for women, who is your shero? So that woman that you look up to, have looked up to, look up to now, who is that person for you? Do you um, have one? And if you don't have one, what does one look like? Now, man, that's a hard question. I'm getting good at this interview. Stuff. You are getting good at this. Kudos to you. I'll give you a fist bump um, later. Late night shit. <laughs> I got my fake coffee mug too. There's nothing. You in do here. have this fake coffee mug, it's and not there's fake. nothing in it. I drank it all. I drank. What was in it? Water? No, it was my ginger ale bold. <laughs> no Rona for me. Oh my gosh, he has it in his Carolina coffee mug and does not drink coffee. Just want to put that out there. I drink tea. You can put tea in coffee mugs too. It <laughs> should be. It, see, tea. they're labeling a coffee mug and they shouldn't. There's more things that can go in a coffee mug. Anyways, okay. Your Shiro. Um, my Shiro. I would. I can't say that I have like a particular just like person I think that I see different things in different women um and I think that that's I don't know man like that's hard for me um I think because of my own mommy issues and so like when I was growing up it was like my teachers who looked like me they were black women and they were teachers and they were so caring and so nurturing and so I'm like I want to be like them um and then when I got to college um Shout out to my sororities of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. Um, they were my sheroes. Like I looked at them because I was like this little girl from the projects, um, and I was real rough around the edges. And I looked at them like, man, I want to be like them. Like I want to walk in heels and you know be all prissy and prim and proper. Um, and so I think that as I've evolved over time, my sheroes have changed. And so there's just like different people. So I think about like my ultimate. If I had to pick one, is like Michelle. Obama because like she's the bomb she's beautiful yes. she has a beautiful family she's able to be wife mother first lady she's out here growing gardens and planting like she dresses fabulous she's an author like I'm like I want to be like you when I grow up I think everybody wants to be like Auntie Michelle mm-hmm. <laughs> Auntie Michelle she is. she's a, <laughs> she's sure. a fantastic role model yes and she does it all with grace and a smile on her face so i want to be like her sure (laughs) well listen uh it's been an absolute pleasure having you on um you are always welcome back on the show well i just come bogart there you go there you go come (laughs) debo come debo debo the episode let me on Where can we follow you? Where can you follow me? Um, Do you have any social media that we can follow that you're ready to drop? If not, we'll just drop it later. You'll just have to drop it later. I got some uh, things. In the works? Yes. Cool. So uh, we'll definitely be... So you'll come back then. We'll have to talk about that. And it's all kind of tied into um, what we've talked about today. So I'm excited about what's to come. Good. Good, good. Well, thank you. 
Thank and, you. Uh, I appreciate you being on. So with that being said, again, Ananda, thank you so much for being back this week. We really appreciate your expertise and hope to continue having on you here as a regular. Hey. Uh, I encourage everyone to check out www.womenshealth.gov slash mental health. Uh, that's where some of the statistics and articles that I read came from. Uh, a lot of great information there. Continue to educate yourself. Uh, I think it's important that not only are women know about their health, but men too, right? So listen to this and why I say that, because men are raising daughters. They are husbands, they are brothers, they are cousins, uh, and et cetera, and can definitely play a role to ensure that uh, their loved ones are healthy and as well and able to take care of themselves. Uh, so it all it all takes, uh, what's the, what is it? It takes a village. There you go. <laughs> takes a village. Uh, so y'all stay safe. Stay away from the large crowds, please. Please. Uh, follow all the recommendations from your public health officials. Uh, I'm going to keep stressing that. And if you appreciate the public health response that's going on within your city, within your state, nationally, uh, be sure that you vote for officials who support public health research, education, public health practice, and will fund it. Okay, not cut funds. That's important uh, because all this is not possible without funding. It takes time, man hours, man and women hours, um, and lots of effort to make sure that these cases are dealt with properly. So be sure to follow us on Instagram at said underscore talk. I think we got a Twitter page coming up soon. My co-host, Justin, will be getting that together. Uh, The link is in the bio where you can listen to uh, on all platforms. Uh, in our said talk bio Instagram page and then be sure to cop a said talk tea as well uh, all proceeds go towards my student loans just kidding uh, they actually go towards my nonprofit organization Palmetto Prize Sports which is a low cost club and travel sports organization dedicated to minority youth who play sports with low minority representation so it's baseball softball soccer tennis and lacrosse and we are seeking to develop versatile citizens through education exposure and empowerment so if you want to learn more about that uh, be sure to follow our Instagram page at Palmetto Pride 803 or you can email me uh, I'm the founder and executive director you can email me at smwarren1906 at outlook.com and thanks for listening and we'll talk to you later